0: Welcome back to Many Windows. Many Windows is a part of the Independent Podcast Network. Find other great shows at independentpodcast.network. Many Windows is a podcast in which we explore stories from the wide world of education from the perspective of two educational leaders with more than 40 years of collective experience. My name is John Cassie. I'm the co-founder of Qualia, the School for Deeper Learning in Calabasas, California. I'm joined as always by Jennifer McGlimmery, formerly the principal of Dolores Huerta Middle School in Burbank, California and now doing all sorts of interesting things. Uh so <clears throat> so we're we're continuing season 4 here which is uh, a season in which we're talking about myths and uh, uh and you know we've gotten uh, we've gotten some some feedback and and thoughts from from uh, uh, some listeners thanking us for some of our things particularly about the the uh pandemic learning loss, mm-hmm. right? And today we're going to talk about another another myth that is vexing to to pretty much anyone involved in the education enterprise and that is the myth that grades are valuable <laughs> and
1: reliable and objective
0: and useful. right. Uh, they're not, right end of uh, podcast. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah. <laughs> so J- J- Jennifer, you know, in when we were putting the season together, uh I'm pretty sure you you came up with you, you know, you offered this this topic, right?
1: Yeah.
2: But and you know, you and
0: I've I talked about it a bunch. So,
1: you know, this is one of my bugaboos. Yeah, if, uh, so
0: if you will. So take us through kind of your the way that you sort of frame Mm-hmm. Fra- you know, frame this? Why, why, why is it a myth that matters?
1: Well, you know, I mean, I've been an elementary principal. I've been a middle school principal. I've been a middle school teacher uh, yeah. and I've taught university classes. And And although I haven't been in high school where I, under, I understand credits and just really the weight of uh, responsibility for grading on those teachers, because I have worked with teachers K through 12 on curriculum and assessment. And I know the pressure that teachers are under when they're doing their grading, particularly at that high school level, because it does um, make or break kids, you know, graduation, mm-hmm. um, college Entrance, you know, all of those things. And I think the thing that drives me nuts is just how much um, value we place on grades and how every single teacher grades differently. Yeah. Right. And so there is no real consistency around the way we give grades. And yet they show up on a transcript from all these different teachers as if it's an absolute even level playing field and that each grade given by each teacher means the same thing. Right.
0: Right. And I
1: think it absolutely doesn't. Now, having said that, I know that there are departments. I know that there are individual teachers and I would guess that there's probably some schools that have taken on this challenge of trying to have a more consistent grading system, right? We yeah. know that um, schools have even played with standards based report cards Dis- and districts. Our district, uh, quite a few years ago, went to standards based report cards for elementary, but then starting at middle school, could not figure out a way to do that. Right. But- Even those standards based report cards, I feel have a level of subjectivity. It might be less subjective on those elementary report cards. You got one teacher um, doing all the grading in all the subjects, usually. Uh, So there's a little more consistency there. But I still wonder if you've got two fifth grade teachers or you've got, you know, eight different high school Spanish teachers doesn't a or a b or a 3 or a 4 mean the same thing from one teacher to the next i think it doesn't most of the time
3: yeah yeah when you when you go when you go from from teacher to
0: teacher division to division school to school what have you the emphasis the emphases are are inevitably going to be different right and so what a
3: teacher will will capture under an assessment framework
0: what they care about will inevitably be different right one of my one of my beefs about about grades as they as they have come to be practiced. And when I say, as they have come to be practiced, I'm not saying, you know, in 2020, uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, it's since maybe 1940, right? I mean, this has been going on for a long, long time, right? Uh, The moment a grade
3: includes elements that have nothing to do with uh, achievement essentially
0: mm.
3: then w- what w- what is the what
0: is the point of this
3: right
1: and yet now what you're talking about is a pure meritocracy right so what does that mean for students you know with with learning challenges and may I'm not just talking about students in special education i'm talking right. about right. poor test takers kids with test anxiety uh, kids who go home and are taking care of siblings, kids who high schoolers who have a job after school, you know? So yes, absolutely. Uh, That's the easy answer in a way. Like how do we fix this problem? The easy answer is we just give tests and then we give grades based on these tests, but there's a lot of problems with that as well. Yeah, And it, it disadvantages, I believe, A lot of our kids that are lower class or marginalized or already are disadvantaged by our system. Right. So that's where I, so as much as I start off saying, gosh, grades are, you know, totally subjective. They're not the, the objective thing that we think they are.
0: Right. I'm
1: not saying they should be.
0: Okay. Well, look, uh, to, to a degree,
3: I agree with you. Okay, my position would be: don't issue them.
0: <laughs> don't don't do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. You should. You you should be maintaining a kind of uh, narrative journal of growth uh, that's based on the formative and summative practices of your students. And that should constitute the evaluative matrix or framework for for students. Now, I understand that folks listening to this who teach in uh, you know large large schools where they have very high numbers of students would say it's just not it's not remotely possible to do that. And I I understand that. Right. Um, I think that uh, that to the degree that you understand what your discipline's reason for existing within the canon of what we learn is not on the, uh, I understand what an endoplasmic reticulum is, Mm. but rather I can think like a biologist. Okay. Mm. You, you should be able using a, uh, uh, a set of uh, guides rubrics etc be able to create some kind of quasi narrative about the students metacognition which is the thing that's actually going to be useful to them as they proceed grade to grade right whether they got an a minus or a b plus is of no is of no importance it's of no value it doesn't measure anything that you care about It doesn't measure anything the student cares about it doesn't measure anything that society cares about it is without value so why are we doing it why are we giving these tests to generate these grades it makes no sense okay and uh and i'm not interested in the argument that well blah blah you have to so that university x has a level playing field right no I, no, though the universities can figure something else out mm-hmm. to make a decision, or they could, uh, they could require. Yeah, you know, all of this. What is all this about? It's all about industrialization. It's all about streamlining. It's all about time management. Right. We to We want to get something mm-hmm. that appears to be something that we can then use to gatekeep. With the minimum number of gatekeepers, because we don't want to spend any more money on gatekeeping, right? Mm-hmm. It's absurd, and and it's damaging to generation after generation of generation of young people, whose whole sense of themselves is warped and distorted by these uh, bizarre, sometimes uh, o- o- almost almost Grimsian. Cruelties,
2: right?-hmm
0: like uh, it just, it just as an example, right the story this story is coming to you from my geometry class, grade ten, which is what 1983, okay my my math teacher at the time uh, w- when when you when you did not do well, okay, sixty was a passing grade, okay. So if you got between a 50 and a 60, you'd get an f, okay? Red ink f circled, okay? But let's say you got between a 40 and a 49. You'd get an f minus, right? Okay, now because because he had these weird notions that uh, that uh, that if you if 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 you didn't put the minus, on the left-hand side of the letter that a student might turn it into a plus and then and then where would we be right so imagine being issued a grade of minus 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 f okay which i got a bunch of i probably have because it was such an I, it, even at like 14 i'm like this is a this is a damn outrage it's ridiculous right I probably have them in my in my papers from high school that I didn't throw away, right? I mean, how can it not occur to you just from the from the perspective of human decency not to do that, right? What's the point of doing it? What does it measure?
3: What is it it yeah, it makes me crazy, right? Well, and I do want to talk before we
1: Delve, you know, right to what do we do instead of grades? I w- I do want for the people who aren't classroom teachers, mm-hmm. to give a few more examples of why, why I'm saying that grades aren't actually this objective measure, um, this consistent measure. And I want to share some examples of things that teachers are trying to do to innovate. And, you know, the, the, how teachers are grappling with the particularly the ones who have to give grades what they're doing to kind yeah. of illustrate yeah. this point um and we've got a ton of people who are gonna who have to live under this system and i just want to talk about some of these things so that people understand why why we're saying it's problematic yeah. grades are problematic yeah. so Proceed. for example i'll give an example we can trade these back and forth but my math department at our district, you know, they really do, of course, math people want to be very precise. They want to be, um, all on the same page. So they have categories, you know, percentages that are established district-wide 10% of the grade is the final, you know, 40% of the grade is classwork, you know, of the grade is homework. And then I don't know, you know, 10% is a project, something like that. But this was established. Mm -hmm. The math department, you know, the task force came together. Teachers from all different schools, middle school, high school, came together, agreed upon this, sent it out, you know, to everybody. So that seems like, okay, this is a great way to try and have consistency and everybody, you know, to solve that problem of, the child and teacher A, geometry teacher A versus geometry teacher B, that grades mean something different, right? This is trying to get at that. We all now use electronic grading programs. We use online grade books, electronic grade books, and they can be complicated to set up. There's weighting of grades, which I have to tell you, I don't entirely understand after 23 years, of grading myself and looking at report cards right. how these things are weighted that kind of skews and changes a, a child's grade depending on if you have the weighting turned on versus if you have it turned off maybe somebody that's listening understands this and can succinctly share with me uh how uh, the impact of that but let me just get into something a little more basic which is um uh you know classwork and homework and tests seems very straightforward, not necessarily. So some of my really innovative math teachers started this practice of, they gave a math test and then they gave the test back to the students and the students had the opportunity to do a test reflection. And this test reflection was, they would have to take the problems that they missed. They would have to identify in writing, uh, where they went wrong in the problem. What mm-hmm. mistake did they make? They had right. to solve it correctly, show the correct way that this the problem should be solved. And there was a couple of other things that, that they had to do. And they would have to do that for every problem that they missed. If they did that reflection, they then had the opportunity to earn back some points towards the test. The idea being it's about mastery of the concept not just a performance at this one moment in time, this snapshot, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's our real goal is learning uh, the material and mastering it, not necessarily by a certain date, but at any point. So I loved that. I, But if a child has the teacher that does that, they benefit, their grade goes up a little bit and, you know, and their learning goes up but their grade will be a little bit higher than a child who doesn't have that opportunity because yep. their teacher doesn't do that. Right, right, um, right. So I don't know, I guess you could argue, well, you know, teacher A who's doing the test reflections, those kids are learning more as a result and are more deserving of the higher grade, but it's a little bit contentious. And then I have had a lot of t- teachers who gave kids the opportunity to retake a test? You yeah. bombed this test. You had a late night. You, you know, were playing sports until ten o'clock that night because you're on the team, and you just bombed it. You were sick, whatever the reason. You could come back and retake the test, right? Have you ever had right. teachers do that, John? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, so, I encourage it. Yeah. So then, kids. So then, some teachers would average the scores. Some teachers. Put the new score in some right. Everybody then does something a little bit different with those results for those kids who were retaking tests. And then we also know finals, you can't come in and retake finals uh, and it just always happens at like right before that 10 week report cards coming out. Every, you got to test in every single subject. You can be a student who runs out of time to retake the, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well my science teacher and my history teacher are giving the retakes at the same time. I got to pick one and you know, the capacity to study to do this. And then you can talk about test validity if you do this too much, right? Right, There's just, these are all of the issues that come up as we're trying to do good things for kids and uh help students master master their their material i would be an advocate i am an advocate for all of those those things because you know testing is this stressful experience for a lot of kids and there's you know all of these all these areas that i tried to kind of identify right there where just That one snapshot isn't your best um, example of what a kid knows and what they can do.
0: Right. I mean, look, we're we're we we may have a little bit of the cart before the horse here, because what what you're proposing to me is a solution. Okay, and here's what I mean. Uh, We're. We're unlikely as a result of the agency of this podcast or the schools that we lead in the education communities we work in, Jennifer, to suddenly have the capacity to end grading as we know it. Right. <laughs> but we can mitigate its greatest uh, uh, toxicities, its greatest threats. Okay. So, what I would say is to the degree that your grades, Report on the process of learning The better. Okay? So your your test reflection,
3: teacher, okay? cares about learning more than about grading. Mm-hmm.
0: So, since what I want you to do is demonstrate that you have, some mastery of this set of functions within algebra that if you don't have them are going to have bad downstream effects in your other math learning, or will have uh, negative effects on your cognition in other work that you might do when you're an adult. I really want to make sure that you have them. Okay. Think of virtually any way other than a test for the student to demonstrate mastery and offer it to them. And if they get it, treat the student the way you would want to be treated as an employee who attempted a thing that didn't work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why, are you, why are you averaging? It's only fair. That's nonsense. You care about the student and whether they have earned the, the, the grade that reflects that they know. -hmm. What you said you cared about.
2: It's not hard. Yeah.
0: Right? Well, what about blur blur? I don't care about any of that. (laughs) Right? I only care about the kid and the learning. If the grade is about anything else, it's illegitimate. And you ought to fix it, right? So that's and you ought to care about the end and not the beginning. You can
3: report on the beginning but you ought to care about the end. Okay. Or at least that that that's my
0: that's my belief, right? For my colleagues at at other schools who are more traditional who found all of this to be, you know, west coast pinko uh <laughs> you, you know, I mean it's basically like akin to not having any standards at all, right? Uh, I would say anything
3: that's worth 10 points in the first quarter same thing should be worth 50 points in the fourth because they should have grown
0: so give them credit for showing growth by making the things that are later worth more Mm -hmm. oh that seems fair to me right okay right um and i hope hard to do absolutely Mm -hmm. but that's that's
3: worth spending your time on, mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Um, Things that are crucial to your success as a learner,
0: but which don't speak directly to the uh, skills and knowledge that you care about, more like the attitudes of learning, the habits of mind, right, mm-hmm. the executive functioning. The skills related to success, all of those should be out of the grade and in learning habits or narratives or what what have you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tendency of some of my colleagues, at, not at Qualia because we don't really do this, but at former schools to give a, f- frankly, a king's ransom of points – for having an orderly notebook. Oh yeah. Or for organizing their assignment book the way the teacher wants. Mm-hmm. Well, all, all of that's indefensible. Right? Yeah. Even things like participation are kind of dubious.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I've I've had uh points for bringing a ream of paper, points for right. bringing a box of Kleenex. Points for wearing a face mask in class. These yeah. are all things I've heard. Absolutely unacceptable, right? You, you don't get points for that.
0: Right, right. Look, one of the things that you and I were talking about is because grades often include non-achievement mm-hmm. related topics, they fundamentally don't measure what they claim to measure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And even if you pull them out, And you're just measuring achievement. They're still not measuring what you claim to measure.
1: Well, and so, you know, I mentioned this, the math department breaking down these categories and writing these categories. Okay. Let's talk about classwork. Are are you doing any pair work, any group work? How are you accurately measuring what one student is doing versus another student? Right. Are you just giving points for completion? Uh, What about your kid who works a little slower, but really goes in depth, you know, and then homework, same thing. Are you giving points for homework? Is it points for accuracy? Which kids have a tutor that their parents can afford to pay for? Which kids are, you know, trying their best, but really didn't understand the lesson that well. And so they do poorly on the homework or some teachers are like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give homework or I'm going to give homework, but I'm not going to count it because you have to do the homework to know the material for the right. tests, right. right? So there's all these other, every single one of these areas is fraught with problems uh-huh. of consistency and equity and, um, you know, uh, whatever else I'm trying to say, but you got the idea.
3: <laughs> I totally have the idea.
0: Validity, right?
1: validity. That's the word. I'm Right, right. Yeah. right, right.
0: right. Um
3: if you have given students an opportunity to participate
0: in a paired learning classroom experience and you have not
3: taught them how to effectively collaborate sorry you're done if you've
0: asked students to speak in class speak in public Mm-hmm. And you haven't taught them how to do that. Why, why, why do you think they why do you think they already know how to do that? Mm-hmm. Most students don't know how
3: to do those things. Um, if you if you don't pay very careful
0: attention to what's going on, how can you possibly get it right? So why would you put any weight on it?
1: Well, right. well and you know, I, merely I was coming up. I'm sorry. Go. I was just as an English teacher, you know, I'm also thinking about essay writing um, and how it is. It's the haves and the have nots. So yeah. I could I spend all this time teaching the organization of an essay. uh the writing process, the brainstorming, research, argument writing, all those things. At the end of the day, there are kids that come in with a strong foundation, a wide vocabulary, uh, a, a, an understanding of grammar and mechanics yep. uh, that they've internalized from either a lot of reading or doing well in prior grades, that there's no way I can teach all of that in preparation for this essay I'm going to assign. Like I've got maybe three to three to five weeks to spend on this, this right. essay, this project, right? right. There's no right. way I can get every single kid in class on the same page at the same level. So the kids that already had a leg up, Are going to get the best grades and then the kids that were already uh in a deficit coming in even if they grow quite a bit even if they grow more which they probably which a lot of them can't probably will more than the ones who came in already proficient right how how do you acknowledge that how do you reward uh kids for that and just keep their confidence building, which is so important Right. because you know, I think grades can absolutely, because as a society, we have mm-hmm. put this importance and this weight on grades. Every single kid, the first thing they want to know is what did I get? What's my grade?
0: It's the only thing anyone cares about.
1: End of story.
0: Yeah. No one at my school talks about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why? Because we've de-emphasized it. Mm-hmm right it's not gone right because we 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 know that there's progressive and then there's so progressive that that you might have a hard time explaining what you're doing to a college or university we don't issue grades in middle school we only issue letter grades in the high school
2: mm-hmm. and
0: even then only twice a year um and uh and i've i've I was the board president of a democratic open school. There's no grades of any kind at an open school. There's no curriculum, right? It's designed by the students for their own purposes, right? Those students go on and have very productive lives. There's no reason to do this,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. okay? Because the schools where students are presently learning, thriving, and going on to have rich and meaningfully productive lives where they contribute to society
3: show us... That we don't need to do this. Okay. It, it, Alfie Cohn,
0: right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Okay. So I've got a, uh, this will be linked to in the show notes, right? Got an article from think.org about three reasons why grades are bad for education. Here's what Cohn says. Okay. Uh, he says the research suggests three consistent effects of giving students grades or leading them to focus on the grades they're going to get. Which of course happens in every school in this country, mm-hmm. okay, and is way worse in, in schools that have a uh, college prep a, a, that that have a yeah. a uh, uh, an examination based education system and culture. Okay, so he says first, their interest in learning goes down. Yeah. Okay. Second, they come to prefer easier tasks. Mm. not because they're lazy, but because they're rational. The point is to get an A, your odds are better if you avoid taking any intellectual risk. Mm. Third, students tend to think in a more superficial fashion and to forget what they learn more quickly when grades are involved, because the only reason you're doing it is for the grade, right? So what do I care about? All I ever talk about is deeper learning, critical thinking, being able to make uh, richly meaningful connections across disciplines to solve wildly complicated problems why because the 21st century is only going to get more complicated yeah. and the kids i'm teaching right now the seniors they're age 18 so they were born in what 2004 okay well i'm 55 you know theoretically in the the heart of the best part of my career they're going to be my age in what 2059 Wow. their children will be at work in the 22nd century and and we're worrying about whether you've memorized this stupid thing or yeah. whether you you know whether you know that james madison was president in 1807 or you know whether the louisiana purchase was in 1803 who cares can you solve a problem of any kind do you have any resilience um
1: well and to be honest now that we live in an information age we're all right everything there's no reason for rote memorization anymore because it can all be looked up quickly and easily and all the information is accessible for us right so as we, a- how do you evaluate the validity of that information that comes up and what do you do with it
0: Right. That's what you should focus on. Right. Right. As I, I mean, I said this maybe, maybe this, this afternoon in a meeting with some colleagues, I said, the further away you get from thinking about the node and the closer you get to thinking about the network, the better. Okay. It's not about the discrete mm-hmm. factual or, or, uh, or particular piece. Mm
3: -hmm. It's about Mm -hmm. how
0: that piece fits into a network of knowledge that helps the student understand the world in a more sophisticated way. Okay. Yeah. Now
3: you can do that and assess that by asking that.
0: Okay. You don't have to, You don't have to grade it the way that we presently grade it, okay? You could – I mean, I I did this 10 years ago in a class uh, where it was fully gamified, okay? So the the class worked like a a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, okay? All the different things that were part of the content set were all constructed into uh, trees of knowledge, Okay. And you could pursue branches and boughs and leaves as you liked. Okay. Provided you did a certain number of things that you had sort of as a distribution, right? You've got to visit this village and this village and this village. Okay. The only grades students got were A, which was defined as authorized to level. Okay. So you put together whatever the level was and you bring it to me. And I'd look at your work, and I would say, this demonstrates a mastery of this level. Mm-hmm. You may proceed. You're authorized to go to the next level. Or you'd get an N, not authorized to level. And I would point out where something wasn't right. Like, like well, I needed I needed eight pieces of this kind of evidence,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you brought me four, and these other four aren't what you think they are. Okay, so what is what does that reveal? That revealed in that case, the student uh, believed a primary source that he or she was acquiring mm-hmm. was a was a photograph from between 1970 and 1979, but was actually from the 1960s. It's like it's too early. It's perfectly fine. In and of itself, but it doesn't answer this question, right? If you're trying to answer a question about 1975, a photo from 1985 isn't going to help you, <laughs> right? It hasn't happened yet, right? Kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. You could do that, okay? But you'd have to figure out how, as an instructor, I was having this conversation on Monday with some visitors to Qualia from uh, uh, from. Kind of an education think tank in Israel. Okay. They just happened to be visiting and, you know, they, they, we, we had them come on campus, right? I was talking about game based learning as I do. And one of their, one of their guys who was a little more skeptical said, well, I mean, how, how are you going to do that in a, you know, how are you going to do anything that you guys do at Qualia where you have five, seven, eight person classes when we have 35 or 40? I said, well, you have to think like, you have to think like elementary school teachers all the way up and down. You have to turn all of your classrooms into station-based learning. So you have to create the six-person classroom in your
3: 30-person classroom by creating five six-person classrooms. And as you move between them, you
0: can you can create these little these little clusters, these little pods that you can then do something with that's going to look more complicated or impossible to do with 30, but totally able to do with six, right? And you mm-hmm. can measure those things, right? But you have to fundamentally change the way you do your work, particularly if you're a, well, my, my, my role is to lecture, and the student's role is to write down what I have sagely said, and then to tell me, it back and maybe share some thoughts of their own. And that's it. That's what learning is. Well, it was never, that's never what learning was. And every year that passes, it's less true. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and I would imagine if you add up all the time, a traditional teacher spends grading throughout the semester, all the little pieces of yep. paper and yep. assignments and everything that you have And if they're of any kind of substance, they should, they would require some time spent in grading, right? I mean, yes, can you be the most mediocre teacher who just gives Scantron type tests that a computer grades for you and you plop that in? Yeah, of course you can do that. But we're talking about the person who really wants to grapple with this idea. So if you're doing all of these little components throughout, the semester for all of your students and add that amount of time up versus having this one larger piece that is kind of the work of the whole semester. And you're meeting with kids, like, just like you said, and you're telling them throughout instead of sitting at home at night, grading it, you're meeting with them in class. Cause they're all working on their, on their components, right? Right. And you're and so, you know, when you're seeing their final project, you're not seeing it for the first time. You've seen it multiple times. You can even keep right. You can keep track some way. Right. Can't you come up with a a way to keep track of, oh, well, this area was was not there yet. You know, or they had four resources. They needed eight. And they're like, okay, next time I saw it. Now they have the eight. Great. Check that off. Right there there could be another system for doing this where that. It's not that you're not grading anything until this final project and it's all or nothing. It's right, that, right. you know, by the time they've turned it in, you basically know it's it's perfect, right? Because you've seen it so many times.
0: Correct. So Correct. you're
1: not sitting and spending an hour on each project, for lack of a better word, or portfolio, because you've already seen it so much because you've been working with the kids. Correct. Right?
0: Which is which is what you ought to be measuring.
1: Right, right. Right. And that's how you measure that growth in an authentic way.
0: Right. Imagine the student choosing not to go off to college
1: Mm
0: -hmm. who has that kind of record that they could access to show to a potential employer or um or uh um, you know, job training or something like that, right? That'd be much more useful.
1: Well, here's what I want to talk about and yeah. plug. I, uh, As we've been having this discussion, it reminded me of a class that I took recently. I was working on my certification for um, universal design for learning. Yeah. Know, uh, right. So one of the classes I took was taught by George... Coros. I think, I'm not sure. How, yeah. I can't remember. Right. I know C-O-U-R-O-S. George Yeah. Right? He's amazing. Like, he's like in Canada or something, Yeah, but yeah. he, so he taught the course and we adults had to create a digital portfolio for this course. And his whole um, message really in just teaching the content was like, Every kid should be creating a digital portfolio. You should be teaching your kids, he said. And that's what we did in my district. And that's what is every student started a digital portfolio when they came into the school and they built on it year after year. And when they graduated, they had this robust online uh, representation of their learning and growth that they could send to colleges, to Uh, potential employers. uh, And I thought, that's, you know, that's brilliant. That, and that's not, kids know how to do this now. Build a website. You're essentially building a website about yourself and you can have a tab for each grade level. And you put examples of what you, I mean, a bare minimum examples of what you're learning, a blog where you're talking about your learning, there's your metacognition, you know, all of those things. I think that would be so cool.
3: Yeah. No question. Right. Um. By the way, George's book is called
1: Innovates Mindset.
3: The innovator the innovator's mindset.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I've I've read Innovator's Mindset. It's dynamite.
1: I totally recommend it.
0: Totally. It'll be in the and show it, notes.
1: It's uh and he, I think, and he co-authored a book called "Innovate Inside the Box," which is, you know, great for yeah. people who who are thinking, "I don't work at Qualia."
2: <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, I'm working in a traditional uh, public school setting. How in the world can I possibly uh, do some of these things? I think there is some room. There's there's some wiggle room here, well, and I look. do hope for. I I know uh, after we get off of this. Uh, recording and you and I talk a little bit about our, what our next episode is going to be on. I was hoping that we would, we've been talking about learning styles yeah. as yeah. one of them. And I was just thinking today that when we talk about learning styles, I really want to talk about universal design for learning. And I think it would just really be the extension of this episode is to mm-hmm. then talk about universal design for learning. Yeah, under let's do the- that next. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. let's do it it next, right? I I think that um, we can take what we've started talking about here and then say, here are some real specific examples of ways that you can do these things that will solve some of your grading
3: uh,
1: concerns. and, And what do you do for all those disparate learners that you've got in your class that you're trying to recognize and encourage and not beat to death with grades?
0: Right, right. Yeah, if if grades damage interest in learning and the intrinsic rewards of learning, if they don't measure what they claim to measure, please, please make the argument that you can tell me the difference between a B plus and an A minus. Please tell me, right? Because <laughs> you can't, because there isn't any,
2: yeah.
0: right? Other than made up, made up stuff made points. up data oh, or well, yeah points, many points right yeah i had I, I can't i can't count the number of times i've had to say to a teacher are you actually prepared to die on the hill that 89.9 you're not going to round that up to 90 really <laughs> really okay well i'll support uh, uh you know you can do what you want but I'm not going to support. You're my principal. You're supposed to support me. Not if you come up with something stupid. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, You know, we talked about the non-achievement stuff that
3: grades capture. They ought not to.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Half the time they're, they're barely data. Yeah. Measuring the me- wrong
0: things. Measuring the wrong things. Measuring them in the wrong. The p- proportions are wrong yeah right, yes, yes, um and they're they're the the fact that uh that they encourage students to 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 not take risks. we mm-hmm. need we live in a world where students have to be comfortable taking bold dramatic risk, mm-hmm. not where they won't take any, right, right.
1: right? And yeah. I think grades are also a big way of how we keep the You know, the the privilege going for kids. Mm -hmm.
0: Big time. Yeah. Um so final thoughts, Jennifer, as we as we get close to our one hour mark?
1: Well, I'm dying to know what you're gonna name this episode because uh I was, you know, thinking about everything that we've talked about, and I'm hoping you're gonna call it uh that the myth is that grades are not stupid or (laughs) grades are useful that's the myth what is the myth yeah that that there is any value in grades at all i can't wait to see what you call this episode yeah we'll see
0: right (laughs) right uh the myth grades are valuable period (laughs) they're not yeah yeah um um
1: yeah and and i I under I would love, I was thinking as we were talking about this and I was thinking about the, you know, the public school traditional district that I worked in and being in these meetings with teachers from different grade levels and different schools right. grappling with these ideas. And right. too often it, it, this is hard stuff to come oh, yeah. to a consensus on right this is really hard and it can take weeks and months of discussion and learning and uh most people do not have the tolerance for it i'm just like uh, but i was thinking how cool it would be if a group of teachers did get together and say we are going to just really discuss this and learn about it and figure it out and not put a time constraint on themselves and say, this is going to be our important work that we're going to do. How yep. can we make the yep. grades that we give valuable and, um, you know, consistent from teacher to teacher at a bare minimum, you know, that would be a, yep. a great goal. Keeping in mind that they're going to, they're going to solve all these other issues. Cause I think there'll be so many other Really neat things that they'll figure out that they need to do instead of those traditional uh, homework assignment, classwork assignment, test, right, right, you know, right that right, right. cycle. Yeah, so they'll have to come up with some other ways of doing it, like your gamification. Um, so I think it's there's there's a real opportunity here. If there's a group of teachers that wants to tackle this, what an opportunity for growth in yeah. as a professional. And yeah. um, some real rich discussion among colleagues.
0: Well, stop. It's the work that needs to be done. Yeah. Among the other things that we've, that, uh, we've, that, that we've said are, are, are sort of in the myth frame, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we put them there because we're saying these things need to be re-understood, reconceptualized or abandoned as ways of thinking that are productive, right? And grades, qua grades as we've understood them for 120 years really are a thing of the past and they ought to be left there mm. well friends thanks for listening looking forward to your thoughts feedback and comments on this have you come up with some ways that you're defining your grades differently that you think would be of uh, merit to share with the audience i hope you share it with us and we'll pass it on to To the rest of the audience and uh as jennifer has has said we're going to talk about learning style and universal design uh for our next episode and we continue with season four very
3: soon thanks Thanks, folks okay jennifer bye-bye bye